Welcome to the opening bell of the NFL Stock Exchange Podcast. I'm Trevor Sykema. That is Connor Rogers. Yes, in person once again. So the chemistry is obviously going to be very on point for this episode. We've upgraded. We have upgraded. From our hotel senior bowl situation where we're side by side that, at a that desk. That was kind of a priv. Yeah, yeah. That, was, that, was, that was kind of a privilege. Uh, we were using... We got it done. <laughs> Low-grade lights to, you know, to try to make it look somewhat professional. The contrast was up big time for that yep. one. But now we actually have professional lighting. We've got a three-camera setup, thanks to Sav and Eli uh, producing here on site in Indianapolis at the 2024 NFL Scouting Combine. So we're recording this, full transparency, as we often do on this show, Thursday early evening, so the first defensive line group is kind of still going through their fields, uh, their, their field drills, and we actually have that on in the background, so if any of us freak out for that, we'll kind of keep you in the yeah. loop, but Connor, mainly what we wanted to talk about is some of the stuff that's already happened here at the Combine. A lot of podium sessions already in the books, the head coaches, the general managers, we've heard a lot of rumors about teams that can be moving up, down, what some of the NFL thinks about these prospects, and well, that's what we're going to try to do on this show is kind of encapsulate all that good stuff. For the right. The combine starts off with the coaches and the GMs and they speak to the media and everybody gets to be around them for a little bit before you actually have the prospects go through the same media tour. And then ultimately the testing as we saw Chop Robinson teleport in his 10 yard split alien to start this, which no surprise, right? You don't count it twice rule. I, Oh, Chop's really athletic. I'm counted three times. Three times. So yeah. Chop, Chop's in your top 10 now. Yeah, after being, I don't think a top five edge yeah. for you. Yeah. We've got Caleb, yep. Chop. Then Marvin. Yeah, that's how the combine works. Of course. And as we said, and I won't name names, but some draft dreams have died as we as we've started. Oh the, boy. I mean, it's crazy though. It's um, you hear rumored times and everything like that. It's a weird environment. Some guys test differently at their facility and here for various reasons. It might not be comfortable or the right. start or right. It is really a crazy, crazy thing. But we're gonna. I think we'll fully recap the combine. Yes. After the entire thing. Right. Rather than nitpicking that. Yeah. So what we'll do today is this will be a show that will more be on kind of what we have heard here in Indianapolis because we're here one more more day. So it's a lot more about the picks, where we think teams could end up, some of what they're thinking about prospects overall. But then we'll have an episode where we recap all of the on-field drills. So yeah, like I said, if something crazy happens live, we're probably going to react to it as we're here recording this. But... Um, we'll save a lot of that analysis of what it means for these prospects for the episode that you guys will get right after the combine is over. So let, let, let's start with this. Let's start at the uh, at the very top because I think you and I had a conversation right before we started recording. And you said, picks one and two aren't going to move. And I said, well, I think they could move from what I've been hearing just with each other, I, right. I, I don't think Washington's no new going. Teams. I don't think Washington's going any any further down than two. It certainly doesn't seem like the Chicago Bears are going to go anything further down than two. But it's not a it's not a zero percent chance that Washington could be that team that ends up picking at number one overall. I'm curious, have, did you hear any of that this week? It feels like there's been some rumors that have been flying around. I've definitely heard that uh, Washington will at least try yeah right? i think they, they, they i think that's where it's coming from there yeah i think that's where it's coming from i haven't heard too much of the bears motivations to do that i've basically pretty consistently heard the bears will one trade justin fields because that's where this all starts and then yeah. two the expectation is they draft caleb williams but i'm sure washington who i mean the new owner is here in the interviews that they're clearly setting the future with a quarterback pick you have a new owner, a new coaching staff, a new yeah. GM. They're, it's all going to be bundled together on the same timeline. And I'm sure you would think just from watching this tape, Washington's watching what we're watching. They'd love to bring Caleb Williams home 
to D.C. Yes. But the big thing you and I keep talking about, Trevor, is where are the opportunities to move in this draft? That's everybody here is trying to figure out. Would Chicago answer the phone? I say it's unlikely, but you never know. And then you get to number three with New England where that's the real pivot point of the draft. Can people get into that pick? There's a little more optimism, I think, to get into that pick than yes. one or two. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I, I don't think Chicago's... You know, Ryan Pohl said earlier this week that, oh, my phone's been ringing off the hook. And of course it is. And I think like any good GM would, they're going to think about all of their options, explore yeah. all of For their options. For pick nine. They're, right. I mean, like they're, right. oh, yeah. I, mean, I think they could true. trade pick nine easily. <laughs> they could definitely trade pick number nine very easily. But I just, I find it really hard to believe that they would trade so far back from number one that they're not taking one of these quarterbacks. There's no way. There's no way. But the more I kind of talk to people, the more it doesn't seem like it's that far-fetched that Washington ends up being that team that picks number one. You and I talked a couple of weeks ago, kind of the pipe dream for them, if you will, is bringing Caleb Williams home. Right. And, I, and I think that there is something powerful about that. Setting up the new franchise, the new ownership, the new regime with a hometown hero, Heisman Trophy what some people are saying is a generational prospect, right. even though we hate those words. That, to me, I, I think that Washington's offer, even to move one spot, is going to be compelling. They're really going to make them say no. And that could be in the form of multiple first-round picks. Right, which is wild Which to is move crazy to move one spot, but I genuinely think that's what could be on the table. I don't know that for sure, but again, we're just telling you guys kind of what we're hearing from people who cover Washington, people who cover the league nationally. It just doesn't seem nearly as far-fetched as maybe we thought it might have been a couple of weeks ago. Right, and if you're Chicago, then you play the game of, well, are we going to be the laughing stock that passed on Caleb Williams and he's the next yes. top seven-ish quarterback in the league, or do you end up doing that move, which I still think is a long shot, and because your coaches love Drake May or Jaden Daniels, and those guys end up being good, really good, and you got all this extra draft capital. That's the fine line you walk. I will say, Trevor, the one thing that I've come out of here feeling is the consensus around Caleb Williams is even higher than I expected. I agree. I, I don't find anyone anymore that's more intrigued by Drake May nope. or Jaden Daniels or obviously even McCarthy. Like It feels like it's Caleb Williams and then everybody else. Yep. And I think a couple of months ago, it didn't feel that way at all. I thought there was a chance Drake May could go number one at the end of all of this. I I don't think this thing's close anymore unless teams are hiding it that well, but I think it's Caleb Williams' draft. I also don't know, and obviously we'll see how this plays out in the draft itself, but I don't know if the... Jaden Daniels over Drake May movement was as strong as I thought it was a right. couple of weeks ago either. Like, I, we came to this event and you hear all these things of like, oh, you know, NFL teams, like maybe they, maybe a lot more teams than you think have Jaden over right. Drake May. And, and talking to people at this event, there's just not a lot of people that I've, that I've heard, whether yeah. it's evaluators or just people within the league that have really entertain that at all whatsoever it really does feel like it is a one two three not to say that the draft still can't start one two three right but i feel like it is it's it's funny because the draft is is sometimes a circle right if we would have talked about this in december i think we would have said oh yeah clear one two three williams may daniels and then we got into january and it's like oh well maybe it's maybe it's 
May over Caleb, and then it was like, oh, maybe it's maybe it's Jaden over May, you right? Know? And I just I don't know. I feel like we're back towards what it was when we were talking about the quarterback class in the beginning of December. I've only found two teams that have Jaden Daniels over Drake May. One of them is way too far out for it to matter. Okay. Another one is in striking distance, but once again, I'm not convinced it's going to be very easy to get into that range of the draft. I'm really not. I think that. Some teams would love to be aggressive. Antonio Pierce was very honest about this, by the way. It was very rare to see a I coach that his podium. So he gotta... basically this week has a couple quotes that were just being honest about, hey, you got to be aggressive to go up and get a quarterback. Mm-hmm. Like it was a very foot on the gas approach rather than, you know, we'll develop Aiden or and I'm not saying he's not sticking by Aiden O'Connell, but I think he he was just honest that you got to be aggressive and go up and get a guy. It's, it's you can't kind of tiptoe around it. And some teams have no problem doing that. So if one and two aren't available, that brings us to like I think the actual conversation here, which is I think three really is open for business. I would think they would answer every single call and figure out what the maximum what the value is. is. Like yeah. is it here's the best offer? Is that good enough to not take Marvin Harrison Jr. or Jaden Daniels? Yeah, and, and you know, I think that it gets it gets interesting when you talk about these teams that might be the most likely suitors for number three overall. You look at teams like perhaps Atlanta at number eight, right? right. Minnesota at number eleven. Denver would like to be at twelve, but I don't I don't really think they have the draft capital to make it happen because they don't even have a second round pick. I bet they sit there and just take a guy, whether it's McCarthy whether it's Knicks or Penix. Which, I mean, how painful is that, right? I, mean, I don't like, think Sean Payton cares. Yeah, but you're you're about to you're about to create all of this dead cap with Russell Wilson, and then you're going to sit there at 12 and just wait for whatever course. I like, agree. That just sucks. I agree. It just sucks. But I don't think he cares. We'll ultimately find out. Because they, they almost have to, right? How do you just... Not move, or you're saying pick a quarterback no pick matter what? Pick a quarterback. Well, that part With the I bet agree they've with. made. I, that I mean, Russ is on shows like, yeah, here's how awful everything was last year. Man, yeah. I mean, I, so I, th- I think Russ is gone. Me too. And Sean Payton. Get ready to learn backup quarterback job, buddy. <laughs> I mean, that's what he's going to be doing somewhere. No, get ready. High to, end get backup. Get ready to learn Pittsburgh Steeler, buddy. I would love that. I would love that. I actually don't hate that spot. Do you think he's a, a Mike T guy? Mmm. I think on the surface level, maybe not. <laughs> I say absolutely non-service level, but he, boy, did, could they, they use him? They, they need him. They need him. He'd right? be a great fit they for have them. To, I, think, I think Tomlin is at the point right now where he's like, give me a like, Get me out vet. of this situation. Like, give me a vet, yeah. right? Because it's, it's, I don't think you can just go in with Kenny Pickett next year, and I don't know how much Justin Fields, for as much as it's an intriguing spot, I don't know how much Justin Fields moves that needle either. It's not like he's that much older no. and more experienced and more proven than Kenny Pickett. So trading for him would basically just be continuing to roll the dice. Yeah. It's just a different die that you're throwing. Yeah. So I would say I think that Pittsburgh's going to be another Kirk market. You know what surprised? I was just going to bring that up. You know what surprised me this week listening to them, Minnesota in general. It sounds like Kevin O'Connell sounded really confident when talking with Sims and Florio on PFT that they're going to get something done with Kirk. I thought that I thought that bridge was done. I just don't. I fu- okay. They're saying that at the podium because I think they have to, right? Because you guess. can't. You can't. And and I I think that they have to in good faith try to bring Cousins back. It's because it's their best option. if they don't, then they're sitting at 11. And, That's fair. And, and and what are they going to do? Just just be okay with whatever quarterback. But we're going to know by the time they pick at 11. Well, I Kirk's think... Kirk's back or he's not? So I think this decision gets made within the next two weeks. 
I think it probably that, has to. I think that within the next two weeks, either Kirk Cousins is signed or they're not picking at eleven; they're picking at three. That's really that's, interesting. That's 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 what I kind of think here, and I and I've, I've talked to people who have kind of painted that scenario where this could be possible. But for me, Kirk returning to Minnesota does make sense if you don't talk about the logistics of the money, roster building. Yes, you would I think want to bring him back, but let's let's look at what Kirk Cousins has been over the last let whatever it's been like eight years. It's fully guaranteed contracts. Yeah. He's not going to not take a fully guaranteed contract at this point in his career. He's already set that precedent. His market is also going to be way too high. Minnesota, Steelers, Patriots, right. Falcons, Broncos, maybe the Raiders. Somebody's going to give him a lot of money, and they're going to give him exactly what he wants there. So he's not going to give Minnesota, I don't think, a hometown discount in that regard. He also doesn't have to take less than three years. One of these teams is going to give him a three-year fully guaranteed wow. contract, whereas Minnesota, I think, would be okay saying, all right, we'll give you a two-year fully it'll be, guaranteed contract. It would be two years, yeah. Because I think if they sign Kirk, they're still going to draft a quarterback in the first round. They just don't feel like they have to trade up to go get one. You can wait for a McCarthy, a Knicks, a Penix, whoever, whatever it is. So they're just going to sit behind Kirk. But I don't think – I think Kirk's market is too hot for them to get him for only two years. So then that puts them in a bind because you can't sign Kirk to a three-year fully guaranteed deal. I don't think they would do that. Because Obviously then, someone else would. Because then if, if you're starting him for three years, the rookie's sitting behind for three years. That's too long. It's, you're eating up too much of the rookie window. But I'll say this with Kirk. You can't underestimate how particular he is about where he goes because he's been through this before and the Jets offered him more money and he was never going to the Jets. He just mm. ran the price up, and th- he did this on camera. Way later, it came out. Ran the price up, got the deal he was comfortable with with Minnesota. I don't think Cousins would go to New England. I don't think he'd go to that situation. No. I don't know about the Steelers because I don't think it's a bad situation, but I do know he's always valued Minnesota. He loves playing under O'Connell because it's an offense he's awesome in. I mean, when you look at him in that offense, he's been tremendous for them. Yeah. Justin Jefferson is still there. They drafted Jordan Addison. Hawkinson got hurt, but they still have Hawkinson. I do think that if all else was, you know, not equal, but a little bit different, that he'd still pick to go back to Minnesota because of how comfortable he is in that situation. I think the real threat there is Atlanta. Oh, without I genuinely doubt. think that because not only not only Atlanta's like setup and how I think it can be alluring there, he likes Kevin O'Connell. Kevin O'Connell came from the Sean McVay system, right? Who's the offense coordinator at Atlanta? It's Zach Robinson, exactly. who just came from the Kevin O'Connell or from the the Sean McVay system and the PFF system, right? And the PFF system. Don't forget, yeah, people don't. You can't yes, forget, can't forget. So Minnesota is a very intriguing team. They are a team that I think could get very aggressive even within the next couple of weeks to potentially be picking as high as number three overall. Again, I think Atlanta could move up. Um, or they could get Justin Fields. I just don't. where is Where is Justin Fields playing football? This market, the, one know. thing I've asked, and I don't agree I with everybody it. everybody wants better than Justin yes, Fields. Yes, this market here is wildly underwhelming from people you talk to. Yeah. It, the, I think the Bears, and I'm guilty of this, I thought they would get a locked-in day-two pick trending towards a two. I think the Bears are like, wow, I, this market is a little bit underwhelming. There's not a ton of teams calling for fields. Yeah. 
Which I think could be a mistake, honestly. I think there's a lot of spots he would be a significant upgrade, and the value is really nice of Fields. Day two capital. Learn more in a couple of weeks, right, with free agency when we figure out where guys are locked into going. Do you think that wherever he's going, there's going to be not a demand, but a pretty significant ask that you also are paying him when you trade for him? That would deter teams. Oh, what are you saying? Like, hey, he wa- he's going to want to pay under, play under a new contract, like won't play yeah. under the rookie contract? I'm sure in all else fails, he'd eventually have to. I was going to say, I don't think he has that leverage. Right. He, he would love to. He would love to say like, okay, what basically in negotiation with Chicago saying like, okay, you're going to trade me. We'll make sure you know that the team that trades for me, I'm not going to play making under a commitment the rookie to contract. Me. But you're right. I don't I, think he has that I guess that it's power. also, it's too far away because you could just, you use the fifth year on him, you got him for a two-year deal. Yeah. That probably is what happens. That's to happen. what I think happens. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I mean, I can't. The, New England should New England trade this pick. By the way, we don't talk about this. Like, is it savvy to move this pick when you have no answer under center in a draft where there seems to be answers under center? It's just so desperate for them right now. I don't know what free agency is going to look like. It's very important. I don't know exactly how many guys are going to be available. Like, I think that Justin Fields is available. I don't know. Like. Geno Smith's contract kind of got restructured. So, like, is Geno available? You know, like, is, is Seattle trying to move things around? Right. I, I have no idea. We think Baker's going back to Tampa, right? I think Baker's I think so. I think him and Tampa. Evans are both going back to Tampa. I agree with you. I yeah. agree with you. I have not heard anything that makes me think that that's not going to be the case. Um, oh. Jason Light was uh, <coughs> sort of open about this, kind of smiling, saying, uh, you know, it's it's always good when you're negotiating with players that you want back and that also want to be back. And normally yes. when that's the case, you get a deal done, and I think they're going to get a deal done. So I don't even count Baker Mayfield. No, it's basically, at Super Bowl week Where two, is Kirk going? He was and, all about coming back to Tampa. And then, right. And then Wilson, I think, is the ultimate wild card of for sure when he is released, when he becomes available, who's going to be able to grab him. But um yeah, I think on the surface level, you look at New England. We've said on this show before, you can't go into next year with Mac. You can't. No, you can't. It has to be something much, something that gives you a lot more hope than Mac Jones does. And uh, Jaden Daniels does that. He does. And maybe at the end of the day, that is what matters most to them, is that they just need hope. Like, on, like whether Jaden makes it or not, they just need hope at that position. And he does give you that. He does give you hope. I'm really torn for them. I actually am not all that excited about the idea of trading the pick. But I can talk myself between both Marvin Harrison Jr. and Jaden Daniels for them. Obviously, everybody pivots right to the problem if you take Marv, who's throwing him the ball. It is very difficult. You can't just go back with Mac Jones. You'd have to, in free agency, at a minimum, come out with Jacoby Brissett or trade for Sam Howell or trade for Justin Fields. Sam Howell is interesting. And get you to that next wave. I just think Marv is that good. But then at the end of the day, you're right. Jaden Daniels sells hope under center. I think Sam Howell is definitely an interesting yeah. part of this quarterback. Right. And will Washington even entertain trading him? They might like having a cost-effective backup. I think they, you know, it kind of depends, right? Like, if you're drafting Caleb Williams or Drake May, I think you're starting them right away, so you could probably keep Howell. Right. But if you're in a situation where, you know, if Washington were to come away with Jaden Daniels, or I don't think this is going to happen, but like again, let's say they trade down and draft J.J. McCarthy. Then all of a sudden, I don't know if you can keep Sam Howell because then you're probably starting Sam Howell week one, and like, what if he plays well? Which he might. did at times right. last Maybe year. Might. So to then, be fair like, to Sam Howell. And I don't think it's fair to be able to say, like, well, that's best-case scenario because then you just trade him anyways right. because, I don't know, are you going to trade a quarterback that's winning for you? So it, it gets a little bit messy if that were to be the case, but I don't think that's 
the most likely of options. Uh, when you're looking at the rest of the first round, like, are there any teams that you heard something one way or another for that maybe would have something interesting like, oh, like, I, I feel like this team is honing in on this pick or this player or something like that? I just think everybody loves Malik Neighbors as much as we do. And I wasn't yeah, sure if we'd, we'd get there. Hell yeah, baby. Right. For a while, it was like, ah, Malik's a good player. And now all of a sudden, this week, it feels like, oh, Malik's a top five pick. Uh, like, no doubt, top five pick. I kind of wonder if this draft is going to start off with all quarterbacks and wide receivers, not wide receiver. For a while, it felt like, ah, you could take all at three or four or five. Mm-hmm. It feels like we're in the mold of quarterbacks and Marv and Malik. Malik's now in that group is what I'm trying to say. Yes. And, you know, ultimately also Brock Bowers might find himself in that group as well. Yeah. It's kind of crazy. Well, I want to get to Brock in a second. I have talked with a couple people who have told me that there are teams that legitimately have Malik Davis wide receiver one. I believe it. I think Lance Zerline is... Has come out and said that too. I want to say Lance's Lance's right? Lance's is one of them. I know he's one of the analysts that, that, I, has that I've talked to about that. But okay. there have been some other people who have been like, "Yeah, I've also I believe it that, that this is this is something that's real. Like it's not just a one source thing." Did you hear Brian Callahan's comments, the new head coach of the Tennessee Titans, about? He said basically, if it was equal, they would take they would value the playmaker, the touchdown scorer, yes. compared to the offensive lineman. Yes, that made me almost fall out of my chair because I've been victim of well, it's seven. It's the Titans. Here's all Lufus Shani. Right, Here's some Joel. sort of like I just it, like programmed it in my brain, and now I sit there and I'm like, damn, they really do need a playmaker for well, Will Levis. Well, Rand Carthen, their general manager, I was at his podium earlier this week, and the thing that stood out to me the most was when he talked about team building and their goal. This offseason, he said the goal is to get faster. Like the goal is team speed. That's he mentioned the Miami one. Dolphins specifically, saying that the Dolphins have put so much fear on other teams and demand that you cover how fast they yep. are. He's like, we need to be able to not only cover and match that, but also do that to other opponents as well. So that team speed, I agree with you completely. For everybody out there doing mock draft exercises, we have often just said, yeah, seven. Whoever the top offense right. is, Joel, it's there, great. If it's not all, it's somebody else. If Malik Nambers and Romo Dunze are there at seven, I think it's in play. I feel very I I feel like it's it's more than just in play. That might be it sounds like the front runner. You know what I think contributes to it as well? They get Brian's dad, Bill Callahan, to come over there when he gets the job. Yeah. Bill is a guy that's gonna maximize the talent on the offensive line, where he's not gonna sit there and be like, Well, if you don't give me three top ten picks on this line, we're gonna suck. Like, that's not how he's built. Right. They're going to, maybe they'll spend some more money in free agency. Maybe they look at some of the guys they have and think, okay, we're going to get a lot more out of these guys. We like Skaronsky on this line already as well. And we're going to take a couple offensive linemen on day two and day three of the draft. That this guy is the best developer of offensive linemen in the league for what, two decades now? Yeah. So I think that might be in play too, where they're, where they're saying, okay, we can take the playmaker at the top 10 then and still fix our offensive line. And I slept on that for too long. That's a good point. That's a good point. You, what you sleep on right. versus what Connor what, what I sleep on, on. the it's, Titans it's, not yeah, taking it's, an offensive line <laughs> Bill Callahan yes um, so I you, you brought up Brock Bowers I think that this has been an interesting week to ask people about Bowers yeah because I wondered if we were going to get to combine week and I was going to talk to people in and around the league and bring up Brock Bowers and they go yeah top five player in the class right. like he's going top five like he's not going to get out of the top 10 I didn't hear that 
I haven't, I haven't heard that level of confidence from people. Now, that's not to say he can't still go in the top 10. It just wasn't this, oh, yeah, duh. I mean, look at what he's done over the last three years. Right. Of course, he's not getting out of the top 10. Instead, I've heard way more, yeah, is a tight end worth it that? We right. like Bowers. But it just seems like the league is kind of thinking about, or at least the people that I talk to, is thinking about these questions the same that we are. So it makes me believe that Brock's sweet spot in this draft is still pick 11 through 20. I think he is a middle of the first round player. I think he's going to get out of the top 10. And I think that's that to me is is where I believe that he is going to get picked. I'm curious. Have you heard the same? Have you heard different? Do you have more confidence that he'd be a top 10 pick? What do you think? I've heard more of what we expected is that it's somewhere in the range of, let's call it, I, I wouldn't write him off to the Chargers and Giants yet. I wouldn't write that off. Okay. But I would say it's more likely I, it starts with the Jets at 10. And then it might go to the Colts at fifteen, and then Colts at fifteen seems like the pinch point. That's the range if he that gets I there, really it's like. Hard to see them passing him up. This is a big long shot, but if the Jets were able to fix their offensive line and free agency, I think they would consider taking him at ten. This a couple weeks, yeah. Ago, so I, they cut Lake and Tomlinson, so they got a lot more money. Lakin was he played every game, but he just wasn't what they thought they were getting. Yeah. Then it's just Titman and ABT, so they have three holes to fill which means they probably won't fill this in free agency. They maybe fill one or two holes. But if they somehow did, he would be in play for them at 10. But it's a long shot because of all the holes they have on the offensive line. Yeah. No. It, it is interesting, too. I do think it's, it's weird how we don't talk enough about Brock playing out wide and in the slot. Just as much as he played on the oh, line. Oh, I, I think that we need to talk about him mostly it's, in the slot. Right. That's what you should do with him. Right. So it's, it's just to me, people are like, well, can you take a tight end that early? I'm like... Well, he's not just playing on the line of scrimmage every right. play. He's a really good wide receiver. It's an offensive weapon. You, you almost have to rank him versus the wide receivers in this I class. I agree. I, I would take him over Rome. I've said this before. Oh, you would? Yes. I'd still take Rome. I'd still. I'd, I'd have him after the big three. Okay. So, I wouldn't take him over Malik or Marv, but I would yeah. take him over Rome, and I think it's... I wouldn't really think twice about okay. it. Okay, all right. Because yeah. yeah, I mean, and if you're in that camp, then yeah, obviously you're having the conversation with him around the around the top ten. So, um, any other teams you want to touch on? Any other players that you wanted to touch on before we get into? You did a lot of interviews with these guys. Yeah, so we, I was around the uh, the podiums of these players as well. So we'll get into that. But just very curious if there were any team specific things that you wanted to hit on before we uh, before we moved on from that. I mean, we'll get more into the back end of the draft. We do a lot of that talk during mock drafts as well. I do wonder what's the team outside the top 10 that's sitting there and going, man, what we would do to come up and, and get a quarterback or an impact player, right? You know what? A thing we don't talk about enough, I will say this, other teams in the back end. Doesn't it feel like the one of the Bills or the Chiefs are equipped to come up for a wide receiver in this draft if they feel like they need to? I think so. I mean, I, they, yeah. they, they seem like those two teams are the teams that want to be extremely aggressive. Yes. You know? And they should be. And they should be, obviously. You know, the Chiefs moving on from MVS. Now, the Chiefs are a little bit interesting because it's like they move on from MVS, but they tag Sneed. They might trade Sneed. Right. They don't have a tag left. They got to get something done with Chris Jones. They will. And I think that they will. I agree. But it's just like, okay, well, what's it like after that? You know, are you going all in on free agency with the guys who are currently on your roster and then you're just going to get very aggressive in the draft? Right. That feels like it could be where they're going now after what, the news that we've seen from this week. I think so. I, I could see them, though, being a team that comes up for uh, Brian Thomas you know, junior kind okay. of player. Sure. Or, or they could sit tight and be like, hey, one of Troy Franklin, A.D. Mitchell is going to fall into our lap. We're cool 
cool with that. Yeah. It wouldn't shock me either. The yeah. Bills, on the other hand, we think it's it feels like it's the end of the Gabe Davis era in Buffalo. Yeah. They will be taking a wide receiver, a big time playmaking wide receiver. Yeah, I agree. I so. agree. It just feels like we're we're going down that direction. So, all right, we're going to get into some of the player interviews that, that Connor did, um, some of the nuggets that we got from the player podium sessions over the last couple of days. Before we get to that, if you got a family out there, you got to get them term life insurance to protect them. One of the smartest financial decisions that you can make at the start of the new year, it is the perfect time to do it so you can focus on whatever else this year has in store for you. Fabric was designed by parents for parents to get you high quality, surprisingly affordable term life insurance policies in less than 10 minutes. It has flex, they have flexible policies that'll fit your family's budget with quality policies like million dollars in coverage for less than a dollar a day. You get your personalized quote in just minutes and apply whenever it is convenient for you all online into your schedule. Um, you can go for start to covered in less than 10 minutes with no health exam required. Join the thousands of parents who trust Fabric to protect their family. Apply today in just minutes at meetfabric.com slash stock exchange. That's meetfabric, M-E-E-T, fabric.com slash stock exchange. Policies issued by Western Southern Life Assurance Company, not available in certain states. Prices subject to underwriting and health questions. You mentioned some of the mock draft things that we're going to be doing. We will have a post-combine mock draft episode for you guys. But uh, pay the bills. Yeah, we, I mean, we've got That's one of the ones. That our families are starving. That episode specifically pays for summer vacation. It does. Yes. Yeah. Like yeah. five of my cases of Fisher's <laughs> Island lemonades. Well, the, yes. so, so it's the post-combine edition and then the post-free agency edition. Oh, bananas. You know. Bananas. Everybody's got their new players that right. they sign out. Right. They want to know yeah, what yeah, else yeah, they're yeah, getting. Yeah, yeah. Which we obviously enjoy doing that as well. It's a so, blast. Look, you can do your uh, mock drafts as well over at PFF.com using the promo code 30MDS to get 30% off on a PFF subscription so you can get the fully unlocked um, mock draft simulator. Also... You can get the PFF Draft Guide, which dropped earlier this week. It has 150 players, the analysis, the, the, the trait breakdowns, the strength and weaknesses, a lot of the advanced PFF data as these combine results are going to be rolling in. We will be updating that draft guide as well. So it's starting with 150 players. This is the first version. And then we're going to get up to 250 uh, by the time draft weekend rolls around. So you can get the draft guide and the fully unlocked mock draft simulator for 30% off with the promo code 30MDS. You've had the chance to interview a lot of these guys, sit down with a lot of these prospects, which is a really cool aspect of this Yeah, I love event. it. Um, and you were able to do that for NBC. So I'm, I'm curious, who are some of the guys that just really stood out to you, really the conversations that you enjoyed, whether it was a question that they answered, whether it was just the time overall, somebody who you may have liked or maybe you didn't like, and then afterwards, no matter what, you just felt better about them as a prospect afterwards. I liked him a lot, but coming into this, he was one of the most polarizing players because he did not weigh in at the Senior Bowl. Tavondre Sweat. Oh, okay. What a hilarious dude. Let's I mean, go. just checks every box, right? And it was one of those situations where when you do this, you, you do interviews basically all morning. The first two days as we sit here and record, I've talked mostly to defense besides the tight ends. And uh, he was a little delayed because these guys have 80 million things going on and they get held up, whether it's, it could be anywhere they get held up. There were conspiracy theories that he didn't want to weigh in. So he was just, that's why he, he was late. He was just, he didn't want, he didn't want to just like, <laughs> he was just standing yeah. there saying, I'm not doing it for seven hours. <laughs> so Sweat comes out Security's late. Security's just standing next to him, like not allowing him to step to move. Else. You're weighing in. On the- <laughs> Everybody grabs him and they're like, how do we get him on the scale? So, I mean, you're thinking, this is a dude that, had a great college football season. Went yep. to the college football playoff. Yep. Was awesome at the Senior Bowl. And whatever day it was that, you know, he was held up and he did the interview, um, ultimately, it was so it was Wednesday, 
you know, it's a long day. You could be tired. He sits down. He is ready to rock, man. That's he is awesome. so excited. I asked him about Byron Murphy, and instantly his, his mind went right to every guy he played with in the front seven to talk about them and show them love. It's cool. Funny dude. And, you know, you ask these guys, hey, this is an, this is an event that's not really about football. It's about athletic testing. But do you look forward to anything like that you're training for? And his face lit up, and he goes, I cannot wait to run the 40 just to see people's reaction. And he made the funny face of how their reaction will be like. His, I think, genuine, this is a guy that's like, everybody's been calling me fat for three weeks, and I'm going to go out and run the 40, and everybody's jaw is going to drop. Mean, he is big. He's big. He's he's big guy. Big is not fat. I'm not going to call him fat. I didn't say he was fat. He's big. He's a big guy. He's a large man. He's a large People were commenting me. on the picture. He can, he, can, he can host the pot. Two great comments on the picture of me and him. <laughs> yeah. Somebody said I looked like a kid reporter, and I agree. Just the oh, second, my God. Now I got to go see it. The second thing was somebody said his leg is as wide as my torso, and I agree. He's... He is a really funny dude, and he is every picture. bit of 366 pounds. I didn't see this one. Yeah, so he weighed in at 366, which, yeah, which is great for him. I was worried yeah, yes. that he was going to be closer to four bills. So 100%. And I was like, you didn't weigh in at the Senior Bowl? I'm like, you never heard of this. You're listed at 362 on Texas roster. Yeah. So you, you felt like you couldn't weigh in at the Senior Bowl? I wonder if he was a lot closer to like... 380, 390 at Senior Bowl time. If he didn't weigh in, he and was still he, working on getting his weight down. And he just did a really good job of obviously right. you know, UFC training. You know, getting right. in the sauna, you got the sweatsuit, you know, you're just you're trimming down a little bit. But he ran well. He did. 366 pounds. The 1 8 uh, split? 10 8 split? 5 2 7? Unofficial? Uh, yeah. So, I mean, like, weight adjusted. Ran really well. That's it's, incredible. Yeah. So, I, I really enjoyed talking to him. I think Junior Colson's story is just really incredible. I mean, this is a dude that came over here as a nine year old from Haiti. Right. And he's yeah. like, all I knew was soccer. He's like, and when I was a kid, he's like, I was 55 pounds, like soaking wet. And I just thought I was going to play soccer because that's what we play in Haiti. He's like, I end up playing football. I get bigger and stronger. He didn't speak any English when he got here, when he was nine. I don't think I realized that. When you speak to Junior Colson, I mean, not an accent, not any, like this dude won the lot impact trophy, huh. which is an award that was given to Will Anderson and Aiden Hutchinson over the last two years for basically the biggest impact in the community and with people. It's a really special award. You just around him, and you're like, this guy has the most incredible path to the draft, or at least one of them, where, I mean, you were nine years old when you came over here from Haiti and were adopted, and now you were a leader on a defense that won a national title, and you're going to be taken in the first two rounds of the NFL draft. It's it's awesome. Just an awesome dude. I found the picture of you next to Tavondre. Sweat? And yeah. You... You I look like a kid reporter. You do kind of look like I look like a kid reporter. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. his and his thigh is as the big size as of my torso. Your, your, your torso, right? Yeah. And yeah. I have a hoodie on. His it's... quads could somehow bench your max bench easily. I, I don't know how this would happen, but it could happen. He could have just picked me up by the back of the hood with two fingers and just flicked like cartoon, me across like the cartoon. Yeah, he was really nice, so I was glad That's that he good. didn't. That's good. Yeah, I was glad that he didn't, but now I understand why he forklifts like 320-pound offensive linemen, and it looks like he doesn't even have to try. Yeah, you see it. Uh, somebody who I, I didn't get to talk to individually, but I really enjoyed his combine podium was uh, Jonah Ellis, the pass rusher from Utah. He was um, great. Yeah, I believe it was Matt Holder from Bleach Report who asked him this question about his kind of pass rush plan because he is somebody that we've talked about on the show. We like him a lot because is he's one of the more advanced pass rushers in this class. He understands what works. He's got these plans. He understands, you know, okay, I'm going to do this before the ball is snapped, you know, and if they do this as a response, okay, I kind of have yes. a counter here. And you could tell, like, he just immediately went into, well, <clears throat> I think his words were, 
when you're a pass rusher, you got to have a bread and butter. And he's like, my bread and butter is my two-handed swipe. I'm, I'm, it's fast, it's powerful, it's reliable. Yes. It's I, I base everything around a two-handed swipe. He's like, then you got to have your counters. He's like, I like going to my spin move as a counter. It allows me to get inside. It allows me to get, you know, like put an elbow to their chest, really kind of like confuse them. And then he's like, obviously, you got to have power stuff. You know, you, you got to base things around a bull rush. So I've got a bull rush as well. And so just kind of hearing him be able to rattle off, hey, this is kind of how I start things. And um, some guys are actually afraid to give away their pass rush plans because right. they don't have a lot. And Joan Alice is very clearly like, yeah, this is what I do. Like, if you can stop me, that's fine. I'll throw another counter at you. Or, like, if you think I'm going to give you, you know, like a, a, a two-handed swipe, then, you know, maybe an arm over is coming. So it's like he was very clearly not bothered by saying this to, to show his expertise, but also knowing that he's, his bag's probably pretty deep with pass rush. Really confident dude. Yeah. Uh, but also the kind of confident where it's, it's just a – you know he's worked for this yeah. it's not like a, a fake arrogance or anything like that I really I, I was shocked when he told me he was playing closer to 235 240 say, this lighter year player yeah lighter and he's player. like I'm 250 now and I haven't lost my speed so I'm really happy about that and I'm like that's that's great for the yeah. combine and great for obviously the NFL level as well that's a big huge, weight jump huge the other dude uh the other edge rusher that I really loved um uh Darius Robinson from from, from from Missouri and you know look I think that the hype with Darius Robinson was getting a little bit out of control. Um, I don't want to speak for you. When I watched his tape, yes. I gave him like a third round grade. I was right there with him. And, and so, and that's fine. And and normally, you know, if you meet the dude and and certainly everything that we saw from his podium, he seems like a genuine dude and like just absolutely loves ball. Okay, you're probably drafting him a little bit higher because you like those high character, high motor football guys. You want yes. him on your team. It matters so a sense. lot. But you know, people are talking about him like, oh yeah, Darius Robinson, he's going top 20. He's I going know. first round. It's like, man, Maybe, but gee, I mean, that's, I mean, he runs a, what was it? A four, nine, five in the 40 yard dash. Yeah. You know, he talked about being an interior defensive lineman for most of his career playing around three Oh five. This last year, he said he played between 280 to 85, a little bit lighter plays on the edge. And so if he's an edge rusher, that's fine. But like, he just, he doesn't have that natural edge rusher look to him. You could tell he has no. not been playing in a long time, and I don't know if he'll ever look like this very polished edge rusher. No, so I don't instead, think that's him. You've got a heavy-handed, strong, bigger, five-technique, four-three defensive end who very clearly is going to give you his all every single yes. play. And that is a player that is a really solid day-two selection. But I think that it's just... a. I think it's a little overblown with everybody talking about him going in the first round. Maybe we'll continue to do that for predictive mocks, but if I was doing this for a what I would do, I don't really think that I'd have him as a first round pick. No, I wouldn't either. I, when I when he took off at the Senior Bowl, I came home and watched the tape to because then everybody was like, "Hey, he's really pushing now, like all the way up the board." And I was like, "Okay, I could see why somebody would take him in the second round because he has the floor of a starter that a lot of teams will really like, and they like the versatility to play him up and down the line of scrimmage." But a game-changing front seven player that you take in the first round, I didn't see that kind of player. Yeah. So I, I'm with you all the way on that one. Another guy I got to talk to that I just really enjoyed was Sione Vaki. Because I mean, what a what a what a college career, right? A safety that could be a running back and rip off 150 yards in a game. Dude, I asked him about the running back thing, and he said I didn't even know nothing. 
He's like, I didn't, I didn't know that they were going to do that. He's like, I showed up for practice and they were like, oh, by the way, you've got, you're, you got an offensive meeting you're going yes. to today. And he's like, what? So <laughs> he played slot receiver in high school and he was really good at it. Yeah. So when they said the offensive meeting thing to him, he was like, oh, cool. I guess I'm going to play a little receiver this week because he's, he's like, I'm a safety. I got great hands. I yeah. played a ton of slot in high school. I, he loved it. And, you get, and I'm like, and then they throw you in the backfield, and he's like, yeah, and then I'm in the backfield just carrying the ball. He looked like a running back, though. It didn't look out of place did. at all when he Dude, got the ball. When he got up to the line of scrimmage and he was doing that kind of like dancing thing with his feet, it's like, all right, like you clearly know what you're doing here as a natural. So. But he'll be the first to tell you because a lot of guys like that like to do the, oh, I'll do what the team asks of me, which is yeah. like, that's nice, but that's not a real answer. He was like, I love playing defense. Yeah, and I was yeah, like, yeah, you yeah. love hitting instead of getting hit. And he goes, I love hitting. Like yeah. he was like, he's just honest. He wants to be a safety. He loves Troy Palomalu. So sure, like there, there's a big inspiration with Palomalu right, right. there. Uh, a dude. And, is he but, from, is, he's from Hawaii? Is he? I forget where he's originally from. I, and another guy that went on a, a two-year church mission yeah, away from football. Yeah, yeah, he did. So he had a long road before breaking out at Utah. Um where is he from? I, yeah, I actually forgot where he was from. No, but, since you, well, since you played at Brentwood, California High School. Okay, but, so a West Coast guy. Yeah, definitely a West Coast guy, but it doesn't say exactly where he was born, but played in California. A dude that's so. just really excited to get to an NFL team, and he's like, I could play all three phases. He's like, I started out at Utah playing special teams, so I'm ready to do that in the NFL. He's like, I obviously played running back, and I'm a safety. Yeah. I mean, that kind of guy... And he just loved being coached by Jeff Ulbrich and the rest of the NFLers at the Senior Bowl. He said that was, you know, they just let him be him and showcase everything he could do. Yeah. I mean, somebody's just going to fall in love with a player like that. Yeah. You know, I, you know I'm a big fan of his. So another guy I'm a huge fan of, LB1, baby. It's Peyton Wilson. Peyton loved Wilson him. was awesome. Loved I know you got him. to sit down and talk loved with him. him. I got to sit around and be around his podium. You know, some of the quotes that really stood out to me is he had the medical rechecks and from what he said, he's like, look, we had the medical rechecks. Everything was all good it's to go. It's the biggest thing with him. It's the he, biggest thing. He said he believes that teams believe that his injuries are behind him, that nothing is chronic, nothing's going to linger around, that it's not going to affect him, that he could have a high chance of re-injuring either the ACLs, the shoulder, because he separated his shoulder as well. So, uh, And he said, he's like, look, it's a violent game. People can get hurt at any time. He's like, I had some really bad injury luck, but I don't think I'm an injury-prone person. Like, I don't think that this is something that, oh, like, I, I don't have the the body or the toughness to play in the league. So he, he says that he seems to be good to go there, which I love to hear. He also said that when he gets drafted, he's – his words, I'm going to find the most seasoned vet on the team, and I'm just going to model everything I do after. I like this strategy. You know what I'm saying? Like diet, sleep, taking care of the body, schedule, yep. weightlifting, all that stuff. And so, uh, you know, he's the linebacker version of Puka Nakua coming up. That's right. what I'm trying to say. Right. I mean, it wouldn't shock me. So. It does feel like, though, it swung around for him after the year he had where he was the first player since uh, since 2012 to win the Buckus Award yep. and the Chuck Bignarik Award. Yeah. First one since 2012. So, I mean, impressive. him going back to school, impressive. all paid off for him. I actually think after, and you know, as we sit here, he's, he's going to work out, but I think after all said and done with the combine, he might go in the second round now, Peyton Wilson. He really might. Oh, what'd you think? Like third round before? Yeah, because of the medicals. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, oh, I think he's second round. I mean, when you're what, 6'3", 6'4", and you're going to run sub 4'5", maybe? Yeah, I mean, if he if he flies here in a little bit. He thinks he's, he's going to. I think he's also going to as well. Yeah. I. I see it on tape. Right. I, I think, I, in my opinion, I think Peyton Wilson is a second-round lock, like a floor. 
And I think there is a non-zero chance he goes in the first round. Wow. I don't think we have a first-round linebacker this year. Yeah. But he would probably be the one. Speaking of which, talk to Edron Cooper. Mm-hmm. I think I told you this off-air. Hunts uh, Boar. Country, dude. Country. He's a country dude. I, I let he's Edgar Cooper's awesome. Loves Fred Warner. Like obsessed with studying Fred Warner. I'm like, I get it. Good guy to that's watch. you like that's what you want to be, your right. skill set. Yeah. And I was like, How did you end up Louisiana kid, end up at Texas A and M? And he's like, Well, he's like it was like a story that, you know, was a little longer, but he also said he loved that it's very country out there and he's like, I fish it and is. Hunt. He's like, I fish and hunt. And to and to be honest, Jimbo Fisher like has his own farm like has okay. it, like Jimbo is big time like farm dude so I know he's not he's not the head coach there anymore but I well, believe Edron was believe there recruited to, there he yeah, was, committed he was Jimbo under Jimbo and, yeah like, Jimbo has like a farm and like animals yep. and like all that so it was he's pretty, probably, he's, he's pretty probably wild speaking his language in the recruiting team, 100 so. it seemed that way yeah. and I was just blown away by the uh, I and mean, we know Traylon Burks told the story of hunting boar a yep. couple years ago yep. but yep. Edron Cooper he really got in depth to it uh all these are on the NFL and NBC YouTube channel it was it was it it was it was fun man he was an interesting dude really liked what i saw from tyler newbin as well um safety from minnesota who i think is the top safety in this class it's i don't think it's close no i don't like it's tyler newbin i might have 20 spots until the next safety i could have 30 spots i don't know if i have 20 spots uh i don't think it's and we haven't to be fair we haven't done the safety episode yet yeah but man i I haven't found someone i still like kaylin bullock although I, I was by Kalen Bullock, the safety from USC. Incredible range, single high safety prototype, but he's just, he's such a skinny dude. It's always and the tackling. Somebody asked him, they're like, how do you feel about your playing weight? And he's like, I don't really mind it. It's like, all right, well, you're not really great at tackling at your size. So I, I, I would at least would have liked him to say, like, yeah, obviously, it's so like, I, I'm, I'm hoping to get stronger in the yeah. league, you know, put on a little bit extra weight. But I mean, he was showing confidence. He's a very confident player, but I'm sure. he's just going to. All the missed tackles and not being able to help in run defense as much as we wanted to see in his tape. I mean, it's going to show up in, in where he's going to get drafted, especially if he doesn't have the mindset that he needs to get stronger there. Um, I like Jaden Hicks, man. That's the guy the that I'm really – when, we, when we do our safety rewatch and rank him, he's the guy of a feeling that I'll come away with like, oh, I was too low on him over the summer. Yeah, I actually might, forget where I'm, I had him over the summer. I might have him safety too when it's all said and done. I don't know. I, think I had him safety five over summer. He's gonna be. It seems like he's gonna be above Bullock and Kinchins for me. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, think. he could be. I like Kinchins too. I think Kinchins. I think Kinchins. Here's the thing. We went into the year thinking that Kinchins could be a top twenty safety. Yes. I don't think that he's a top twenty safety, but I also don't think he's a bad player. And no, I think, a lot I think, was asked of him. I think sometimes we're swinging too far in the other direction. We like we go, oh, you're clearly not a top twenty safety. That means that you're bad. And I do, I do not think that he is bad. I think anything late second round, any time in the third round, I think is is where we start talking about Cam Kitchens. I think so too. I showed him. I wrote on my index card his snap counts from the last two years, mm-hmm. and he was like, he like he really was into talking about just how. Much was asked to him and how much he liked it. He seemed to like free safety the best, but yeah. he also said he's like, I really do love coming downhill and, and hitting. He's like, I, it's the good. Be- like he said it was like the best aspect. So it didn't really seem like he had some crazy preference. But when I wrote that down and showed him, I'm like, damn, they asked a lot of this kid. Like they couldn't just comfortably play him as a box safety or a free safety. It was this. He played slot. He played corner. He played all over the place and. It makes me wonder with Kinchins, when I go back and watch his tape from this year, 
with a more defined role at the <laughs> NFL that he can focus on. Yeah. But this is a dude that had 11 picks in two years. Yeah, he did. And when I said he's like, you know, I had 11 picks one year in high school. And I was like, 11 in one what? year? Yeah, 11 in one year. He's Damn. He's got legit ball skills, but it's hard to have those ball skills when you're playing free safety, you know, half the time, 60%, whatever it may be. So, yeah, I wonder if... I've maybe have swung too far the other way on Kinchins, and that'll correct back when the final rankings come out. Four four eight official for Chop Robinson, by the way. That's pretty fast for an, an edge pass rusher. Yeah, that's pretty stupid fast yeah. for an edge rusher. Yeah, they just showed him side by side with uh, Will Anderson and Nick Bosa, and he dusted both of them to get to the finish line. I mean, so. just a stupid good athlete. But what about some of the corners? Um, I think you had, do you have a chance to talk to Quinion Mitchell? You know, like the, there were there. He were a came out other... too late, oh, so okay. I, I had Kool Aid, uh, Ennis Rakestraw. What a nice dude. Oh, I didn't get to. I wasn't. You want to talk about high character dudes? Hell yeah. I mean, I asked him what he what he does for fun. And he basically said he just stays home and watches movies and like talked about how like like the world needs to be a better place about like what's going on with people. Like, wow. He like just like such a nice person. Okay, but then politician, politician, really like we we voting for Ennis Rakestraw Jr. Like uh, 30 year old veteran. Yeah. At at the combine. All right. But also, um. Talked about his physicality against the run this year. And he was very honest. He's like, honestly, that's something that clicked for me this year. Because this is a dude that started in 2020. Mm -hmm. I believe he tore his ACL in 2021. Then he was a starter again in 22 and then 23. And he's like, that was something that it really clicked for me this year. And also, when he was that, like, you know, mature in the interview, I was like, do you not talk trash on the field? He goes, I love talking trash. Everything's modeled after Jair Alexander with him. Everything's after Love Jair. It. And I was like, I see yes. it. I see it. Like the, Let's the go. body type, the mindset. Yes. Uh, I hope he's healthy and ready to roll because we really liked his tape and I couldn't have liked the person anymore. Yeah. I, you know, I've, I've had the opportunity to watch uh, a handful of Taron Arnold interviews over the last like really year that, that that he's been kind of on the on the spotlight and getting to see him at the podium he was very much that same person that you saw he is very outgoing he's not shy in front of the camera yeah. he's very personable and so that was really cool to see when I was by his podium session as well I think that he is somebody who the NFL loves very clearly we've seen him very very high in some of those uh, national media mock drafts Lance Zierlein, uh DJ that they, like they've all had him I think Dame Brugler as well has had him very very high in right. drafts and so there that's kind of where it feels like the league is with him as a, as a potential top 20 pick and something that stood out to me when I was at his podium is um I think somebody was asking him about some of his teammates and he said that him and quarterback Jalen Milrow had a Kobe Bryant competition which was who could get to the facility faster every morning like who could be in the building earliest and he said he said that like normally it'd be around 5 a.m. and they kind of see like who would beat the other one to the building. And he said that when he gets there at 5 a.m., he writes down his goals and then he kind of gets to work, gets into his day, which I loved. But then he was like, some days Jalen would get there at like 3:30 in the morning, and I'm like, so how are you Look, sleeping? Man, I love this competition, but like I gotta sleep a little bit. A so, little, yeah. So I just I thought that was I thought that was great. He called it the Kobe Bryant competition. That's really good. Showing up early, getting in the gym, getting in the weight room early, and so I think when we talk about Terry and Arnold. I have a handful of corners that I like above him. I have him as CB4 right now. I've got Nate Wiggins. I got Quinion Mitchell. I have Cooper DeGene above him. It's looking similar for me. But at the end of the day, like there, there are inconsistencies with Arnold right now. He has the abilities to clean up all of those things. And it, yeah. it, I can, the people who say, hey, I've got him as CB1 in this class, I don't. But I get it. Me too. He's so ex- uh, me he's too. Extremely talented. So that's why the cornerback conversation in this class is fun. 
because there's a lot of preference on, hey, who you got to see be one and why. Tell me about him. Let's talk about him kind of a thing. Yeah, it's um, him and Kool-Aid, what they were able to do. I got to sit down with Kool-Aid, and I asked him about Arnold, and like there was so much pride in the player Arnold turned into Love from it. Kool-Aid. Love it. Because, I mean, let's remember, Kool-Aid in 2022 was the newer dude out there and, and built a reputation for himself, and then no one really threw at Kool-Aid this year. But Arnold was the new dude in 2023. Everybody threw at Arnold, yep. and he became the player everybody hoped he would be, and Kool-Aid was really proud of that. I thought that was really cool. You could tell, I mean, it's Alabama, so no surprise, but it it just runs like a like a NFL program over there when you talk to those guys. Is something different, and the Kobe competition kind of confirms yeah. that. Oh, by the way, speaking of the Alabama program, there was somebody who was walking around the podiums who was asking everybody, who do you think should be on the cover of the new college football video game? Okay, and that was like their thing at the yeah, combine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's there people here that always have a thing. <laughs> get, a bunch, get a bunch of different answers. Yeah. And somebody asked that to Kalen Bullock, and I was wondering if he would say, like, me. You know, I wonder right. if he would say that. But he kind of, like, thought about it for a second. He's like, I think Nick Saban should be on the cover of college football. He's like, for everything that that dude for, did for college football and, like, the dynasty that Alabama was and, like, how he changed the game, like, with him wow. retiring, he's like, I think they saved him shit. I was like, damn, he's right, actually. Yeah, like, that, like, he is right. I would personally not like it because it's just not – I like when an athlete – Oh, sure, not, sure. So but, I, but he's right. It's the right answer. Wow, Connor Rogers, not a fan yeah. of the respect editions, no, of, no, like, no, the no, GOAT the no, goat editions. No, of the, well, Madden, absolutely. No, I know. But, but – um, yeah, no, not was, there. Were, there was something else I wanted to say. Uh, oh, somebody was asking the players what they think their Madden rating is going to be in the first Madden, and somebody asked Terry and Arnold, and he smiled. And he's like, I don't know, probably like a seventy-eight. He's yeah, like, he's, he's like, it probably it shouldn't be. He's like, second year, I'm gonna be in the nineties, but like nice. first off, it's probably gonna be like seventy-eight. That's a guy that actually plays Madden. Yes, to know that. Yes, one hundred percent. So yeah. he was very self-aware, and that was that. That was pretty fun. Is there? Is there anybody else you want to shout out? Those are all the guys that I kind of like had that I wanted to make sure that I uh, that I shouted out there. Um, but I didn't know if there was anybody else well, that you sat down with. One last one we talked about. So I had two tight ends today. I had Brock Bowers and Cade Stover. And um, with Stover, we were talking about just like really intense focus, dude. Yes. And I mean it as a compliment. This is a guy that grew up on a farm, still farms to this day. He's all like hard work. He's played linebacker. He's played defensive line. He's now a tight end. He's been asked to block a lot at Ohio State. You could just tell he, he's uh, you're like the model citizen of your team. Yeah. Like there's a reason Ohio State sends Kate Stover out for Big Ten Media Day. And it's not like – He's know, the, intense, dude. Right. I, it wasn't the big smile and like jolly answer, which is like that's nice, but I actually appreciate the authenticity of like – like a, he's a killer in a way. Yes, he's a killer, yes. but like a like a nice dude. Yes, but a killer on the field. I, Stower, I think, is going to go in the third round. It went all said and done with. This. I agree with you. I completely. think it's a thinner tight end class in that area, right? You have Bowers and Jatavion Sanders and yeah. a couple. But I'm like, man, if I was a team sitting with this guy, I know exactly what I'm getting. Yes. Yeah. One hundred percent. So I have a funny story about Cade. I was by Cade's podium. Okay, and I was just the tail end of it. It was just the tail end of of this. And did you ask him what teams he's met with? <laughs> no, I, I, did, I did not. But that'd be a good like, bit. With like him. I was getting a couple questions from him, and again, I could tell very quickly he was like an intense dude. I was like, what? well, hell yeah, like, right? About him. And somebody asked him, they're like, you know, PFF has you uh, credited for like missing a couple of blocks, or maybe maybe the question was like that his his blocking grade wasn't as good. And uh, Kay looks at the guy, and he's like, he's like. 
well, first of all, I think he was like, you brought this up a couple of times. He's like, basically like, show me on film. Like you keep saying this. He's like, show me. Bring the iPad to the yeah, combine. And he, and he was like, he was ready. Like he was ready to bow up on yeah. this dude. He was like, you better prove it. Like if you're going to say that I can't right. block, you better prove it, which I liked. But then they, that, but then he was like, me and you one-on-one right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's the way it should be settled. I'd break out the phone and yeah, I'd film it hundred yeah. percent. I wouldn't stop it. <laughs> but then he was like, he was like, ah, oh, he's like, you know, so, PFF doesn't always get it right. Like blah, blah, blah. And he's, he's like, how about just throwing PFF under the bus with no well, yeah, and he, no and way he, to prove and, it. And he was like, he was like, PFF doesn't always get it right. Like sometimes you don't know the blocking. And I'm sitting there, and I'm kind of like smiling, you know. Yeah. And he actually, I actually liked his answer afterwards. He was like, look. I'm a tight end. So if I don't give it my all, I'm not going to be able to displace guys the way that I yes. want to. And he's like, because of that, yes, there's going to be times where I'm, I'm not as square on my shoulders or whatever. And he's like, and that to, that makes total sense. He's like, I could not go as hard into guys as maybe like I should, and maybe not like quote unquote miss blocks, right. but I won't be doing what I need to do to yes. displace this person as a tight end. So he had a great answer and he explained that. So he got off the podium and I actually kind of, I, I was able to catch him before he left the building. And I, I stuck out my hand and I was like, Hey Cade. And I was like, my name's Trevor Sikama. I work for PFF. And he and he knew that because that he just answered that question. <laughs> he just he, snaps your neck. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, You're dead. <laughs> I finally like, found him. <laughs> this guy's been making up these missed blocks. And I said, yeah, and I said, hey, you know, Kate is the person who grades every game myself. <laughs> yes. I was like, I, I agree. ruined You're your trash. career. No. <laughs> no. I see. He kind of smiles and he's like, he's like, oh man. He's like, you know, I didn't. He's like, I that's that kind of came off a little bit harder than it needed to. And I said to him, it's like, hey man, no, it's no big deal. I was like, I do a lot of the draft work. Why watched a lot of your film. I actually really like your blocking. He was like, I understand that it's sometimes hard to like earn high blocking grades as a tight end just because of the, you know, lower weight profile. But obviously the grades are all about kind of doing your job right. And it's just very hard to grade really, really well as a blocker, as a tight end. Yeah. But I told him, I was just like, hey man, like I, I think your blocking profile is great. I think you're a really great all around player. I'm a big fan of your game. Like I just, I just wanted to kind of introduce myself and make sure I say that. And he's like, I really appreciate that, man. He's like, that's awesome. And then he was like, he's like, yeah, that, He's like, that guy's, I feel like he's been like getting at me the last couple of questions or whatever. So he's like, I kind of like got a little rude about it, but he's like, but it, it was, it was great to obviously like meet him and shake his hand and everything and kind of have that little back and forth. Cause I do, I've liked Cade Stover well, for a while. I think I had take Cade Stover tight end three coming yes. into the class. And yes, uh, you yeah. were, you were high on him over the he's summer. He's my guy. So PFF catching uh, a stray over by the podium. You couldn't I didn't have think it. that I was going to get that. Great for you for clearing your name. No, I, I mean, mean, cause that's like a little confidence. He was it set him off a little I mean, bit, yeah. rightly so. I agree. I'm on me. the Cade side he, of this. He, he could he, he could have actually murdered you. He could. And instead, <laughs> you guys basically could form a tag team to go find the guy that asked the question and put him <laughs> through a table instead. What a t- what an outcome. Yeah, so it was it's like I, a true wrestling storyline. It, cool. it was good to meet him, obviously. No, it's that was awesome. kind of like a funny way to do that. But uh yeah, that was a, that was a funny Oh, one other funny story, at least for me before we get out of here. Rook Aroraro, the yes. defensive lineman. The broadcast is loving saying his name. Well, I, I'm sure they are. Yeah, it's uh, great it's, when Eisen says it. Yeah. It's really good. He's probably like figuring out different ways to just yeah. like Rook Oro. Yeah, you could, you could change the tempo. Oro like Yes. You know, yes. like it's just yep. wherever you are putting the pause in there. But anyways, so he was talking about you know his technique as a versatile defensive lineman. He's played everything from a shade nose tackle to a five technique defensive end. Um, he'll probably be an interior guy, closer to like a four eye or a three tech mainly in the league. But 
they asked him about some of the work that he is that, that he's doing to be great at that, that versatility and he talked about hand usage and he says he watched a lot of boxing and UFC and he does so as a fan of the sport but he also like loves how fast their hands right. are and how that is such a pivotal part of what makes them great at their sport That's and tries cool. to take that into uh, into what he does as a pass rusher he also said I'm quoting him here that he is quite the basketball player. You told me this story. And he and somebody asked, how high would your shooting percentage be? Because he's like, I'm a shooter. So somebody asked him, like, what's your play style? And you think, like, all right, big 6'4", right. 295. Posting you're up. a slasher. You're yeah. posting up. He's like, I'm a shooter. And they're like, all right, what do you shoot? And he's like, if you give me 100 shots right now, I'd make 98 of them. And we're like, okay, buddy. <laughs> I think a Great Clemson, confidence. A Clemson... Uh, Somebody who works for the Clemson football program, I can't remember who this was, I'm sorry, had actually responded to that tweet and was like, honestly, from what we've seen over the last couple of years, he might be right. <laughs> now we need so to this see dude, it. this dude might be a shooter out here. I mean, even if he hit, we're talking three-pointers when he That's said this? That's what he said. That's what he said. Somebody, said. somebody was also like, oh, what's your spot? He's like, any. If he hit stares at him, any. 40, that would be unbelievable. Right. The Hall of Famer. Unbelievable. He'd be playing. I 98. Kept, I, kept, I kept telling people, the Pacers play in the building. Yes. It's two blocks Get down him down the there. They need they him. They get paid more money if he's a starter there. If you shoot 98%, my man, head down the road. Yes. NBA money? Right. Forget this. So I love the confidence. Love the no, confidence it's really song. good. Um, we would love to hear. Combine's fun. Oh, dude, it's awesome. It's we, uh, we chaotic. We would love to hear what you guys think of uh, everything that we have brought up here on this podcast. Some of what the teams could do in the draft, you know, trading up, trading down, any of responses to kind of what we talked about here on this show. But then we'd also love to hear your reactions from some of the players, some of the early testings of when we're recording this podcast, what you have seen from all of these guys at the podium. Best way to do that, of course, is in the comments section uh, of the YouTube youtube.com backslash at NFL Stock Exchange. If you were watching this video and you haven't subscribed to the channel, first of all, what are you doing? Yeah. Second of all, please. Well, our, families, over your ass. our families are starving. <laughs> Three, I'm friends with Cade Stover yeah. now, so I will You've get him warped. involved. You don't want me to get him involved. So uh, we appreciate everybody who's obviously subscribed to the channel throughout draft season. This thing keeps growing a lot, and, and we're really appreciative for it. We know we've kind of been spotty with some of the shows, with a lot of travel that has happened over the last month. but We're trying. This, I feel like when we get back from the combine that up We're until home draft again. weekend yeah. is, is so much of being in our home yeah. element really getting those consistent episodes out getting you guys the information that you want we'll have a post combine mock draft we'll have a post free agency mock draft all that good stuff but uh, as always we would love to hear from you on what you would love to see from the show as well anything else before we get out of here listen to this pitch wrestlemania yes you Cade yes. stover yes and maybe me but hopefully we find someone a little you're, little better you're the guest ref no, you, this is going to be a 3v3 tag oh, team matchup okay, okay. against the Watts, the entire Watt family. Okay. Yes. <laughs> All right, so uh, you, you're looking for me to sign the life insurance now. Yeah, yeah, you and I are in trouble. Yeah. But, yeah, 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 yeah. but I think it would do numbers. TJ and, and JJ are just going to put us through a table like the Dudley boys. I'm just going to see if I can run around Derek for as long as I can. <laughs> <laughs> you're going to be the last guy pinned. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kim Stover's going to be taking most of the beating. <laughs> You got knocked out with a chair even, yeah, three he, hours ago. He didn't even understand what he was signing up no, for no. When, he, uh, when he shook my hand. Now he's in a three-way tag team matchup against the Watts. <laughs> something to think about. 
you know, it's not a. It'd be idea. the end of the pod. Yeah, I'll see. I'll see. I'll see. You know, if if WWE doesn't want to do it, maybe AEW. Will pick there we up, go. You know? so yeah, well, we, we got options. We got options. The leverage is there for us. Uh, we appreciate everybody watching and listening to the show. We will be back at the end of the weekend to again recap what we are seeing from all of these drills, not just these positions of defensive line and linebackers, but everybody and how they worked out here at Indianapolis. I'm Trevor Sikama. That is Connor Rogers. Thank you guys so much for watching and listening to the NFL Stock Exchange podcast. We'll see you next week.